the system makes it really hard. Like if I want to buy without plastic, it's all so complicated. It's all so expensive. So yeah, I understand. I understand people. That's why I try to be kind as I can and compassionate and, you know, bringing that human element. Welcome to Wanna Be Greener with me, Harriet Robinson. This is the podcast that hopefully makes sustainable living feel that little bit easier. And today we're talking about reducing waste, more specifically business waste. So if you're listening to this, you probably already do your bit, whether that's recycling or using a reusable water bottle. But what about when you get to work? Have you thought about how much waste is created by the business you work at or that you own? Well, as the founder of Earthic, environmental consultant Sophie Chinkwa has loads of experience working with businesses across the world to help them reduce the amount of waste they create, taking a holistic approach to helping business owners change their attitudes, focusing on the people involved. So your staff, then they will take it home, they will learn something and hopefully, yeah, something will resonate with them and they will take it home, they will tell their kids or their friends and then they will do it also at work. That's how we spread the positive impact. It's not about separating business from personal life. We talk about what some of the problems are when it comes to waste and how to persuade those managers and owners that sustainability should be prioritised in their business. Put it this way, it's not their priority to take care about waste and sustainability. Maybe they are just thinking in making sales. Sophie's the sustainability manager for Chunky, a loan cup scheme in New Zealand, and she has a dream that one day the whole country will be free of disposable coffee cups. You know what? I think it's a metaphor. It's not just about the the cup. Again, it's about our mindset. Like you use something, in this case, this cup uh, for a few minutes because you wanted a coffee and you wanted to be comfortable taking this coffee Anywhere you use it for a few minutes and then you check it in the bin and forget about it, move on with your day. And that's how our society works with everything. In this chat, she shares her experience of working in the sustainability industry and gives some really useful tips and advice for ways to reduce waste, specifically within businesses. Now, I've been inspired by Sophie and her projects for a while, after following her on Instagram, actually, and I wanted to know what first inspired her to get into her field of work. My relationship with sustainability was changing with my level of awareness and for my life. Um, But it was when I was really young, like as a young girl, I was always interested in these topics, but I had um, a really revolutionary grandfather (laughs) and he used to talk to me about these topics and he told me about the consumer society and how we make things to be broken really easily and in a short time. And then he would say, and that's how the system works. So then we buy things, they broke, so then you need to buy more. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that right. And then we will have these discussions. And and yeah, since a little girl, I, I knew I didn't agree with many things about uh, our economic system. And through school, uh, every time we needed to do some research, and choose a topic, I will choose consumerism and, you know, environment and sustainability. And that's how I started. And then when I finished college, you know how we think that we need to study straight away and then do certain things. Well, when it came that moment to go to university, for me, the only career that made sense was uh, environmental science. So, yeah, I just started to study environmental science and yeah study that for five years but yeah it was kind of different back then I was more focusing scientific research and that's what I cared then I finished my degree and I couldn't find a job and I guess yeah I started working in a not-for-profit and that's how my life shifted completely 
what was that and why was it why did it feel so different to what you'd done before because i had this idea that i wanted to be a scientist and just focus on these important things like i don't know biodiversity conservation and i agree they are super important but every time somebody would talk about me about waste or climate change during my degree i would be like oh no i don't want to focus on that that's kind of not that important and then i did my my final work um, in research for the last two years and i decided that was not for me and then when i when i tried to find a job in a company because that's what you needed to do right find a good job nine to five and in buenos aires argentina i couldn't find anything that was resonated with my my purpose and i find this not-for-profit organization called eco house and it was completely different from whatever i heard before so maximo is the founder of eco house and he approached me with an inspirational kind of speech he was like look we're a club of people that want to change the world and yeah that's what we do we we're not here for the money we just want to help make this world a better place and i don't know exactly what he said but it really touched my heart and i knew that was what i wanted to do so then i started volunteering for them right and we would do things like teach people how to recycle or going to events and talk about sustainability or waste climate change, uh, teach them how to compost, things like that. And I stayed there and I became a coordinator of our campaign that was called Watch Out with the Cigarette Bud, but in Spanish it's called Ojo con la Colilla. And we would go to the streets and pick up cigarette buds, put them all together, show people how much uh, of an impact this was making. And yeah, I started like that and then I became coordinator of our certification program that was called back then Conscious Offices because we will go to offices and check how they were doing things. We will give them a report, like a waste assessment and yeah, give them like simple steps they can do to improve their sustainability practice because back then this was not a thing you know like nobody cared about rubbish or sustainability in general so we were kind of innovative and we didn't know what we were doing we made everything from scratch so i got into this organization and suddenly i was coordinating a group of volunteers will go to big corporations <laughs> and tell them simple steps on how to reduce their impact it was kind of surreal uh, but <laughs> yeah at this point that organization that started with 15 volunteers now they have hundreds and hundreds and they are doing really well and yeah. um, i'm still in contact with them but that was how i started and what did these businesses think like when you were going into a big business and you were saying oh you need to be recycling and you need to be not doing all these things what was the reaction to you doing that it was a huge learning process for me because obviously you go to these corporations and they know what they are doing in their field. And then we were young. I was 24 when I was doing this and, and I just finished my degree and I was just kind of improvising, you know, but I had the passion. So, so we will tell them really simple things like, oh, reuse the paper don't print and this will seem so basic but i don't think they had much reaction some of them they were like yeah cool but it was hard for them to listen i think from my perspective it seems that they were not taking us seriously back then i can just talk about that time i don't know now um, but it was always hard for me to to connect with, with people that are actually not interested in this field. But then 
I guess I'm generalizing. I mean, that, but that's that's a hard thing, and maybe we'll get onto that in a bit. But you know, trying to it's it's okay to like go into a business and say this is what you need to be doing and this is what you need to change but that way you communicate it is really important right because uh if you're too bossy or judgmental or i don't know don't not saying it in the correct way people are not going to engage with it and not want to going to want to do it because like you said they know what they're doing in their sector they know how to run a business. Who are these young people coming in and telling me how to change a bit of how to run my business? So I guess the communication and the way you persuade people is quite important, right? Yeah. Put it this way. It's not their priority uh, to take care about waste and sustainability. Maybe they are just thinking in making sales or doing whatever they are doing because they are busy. And yeah, it was pretty hard. And for me, at the beginning, I was really triggered because, yeah, it was a long way. But and I thought everyone should care about this. And I would get really triggered when people wouldn't be interested in it. And then I learned, OK, no, I can't. I can't really be bossy. I can't tell them, oh, you need to do this. Um, but that was like a lot of years of understanding how I needed to communicate. So then I could actually touch their hearts because in the end, it didn't matter the simple steps I told them. It was more about the speech that we gave because we we will go after doing a waste assessment and we'll talk with the staff and talk about what's going on in the planet and the environmental issues. And we'll have a, a chat with them. And that was the most important part of our job because that's when you get into their hearts. And if they feel touched, then they will make the change from the inside because there's no other way. Like, you know, we can't keep telling people, you need to do this, you need to do that. They won't do it because you're telling them. Uh, they need to believe mm -hmm. they need to make this change for it to happen. So then I realized that it was really important for me to take that uh, step and go more into the behavior change science and creating habits and, you know, walking the talk instead of the science work. It was more about people, about connecting with people, inspiring them and, yeah. Seeing how, I suppose it's seeing how it affects you as a directly, like watching a David Attenborough documentary or learning about the science of, of it is really interesting, but people, there's like a disconnect there. But when you're saying, look, this is all of this waste and this is how it affects you and your environment and actually speaking directly to them, I suppose, I see what you're saying. It's, it's creating that like human element of it and how we're all involved with it. Um, so you did that and then you obviously have lived various places in the world. You've lived in, I think you said Hawaii and uh, Australia and now you're based in New Zealand. So um, where was it? I think you were saying you started working in hospitality at one point and your career kind of got involved with the sustainability of that. Yeah. So I don't know if I told you that I'm from Argentina at this point, <laughs> but yeah, I am from Argentina and this work that I was doing in the NGO was over there and I did it for a year, but there was something that it was not quite right for me over there. I was feeling a little bit like gray, <laughs> like the color gray, like unfulfilled. I, I was not completely happy. And I didn't know why, but there was this deep desire of traveling and knowing something different, like experience life in a different way. So I took the, the step and <laughs> went out of my comfort zone and started traveling on my own. So I went to Australia first and lived there for a year. And I absolutely loved it. And then, yeah, there was a turnout of events because... My idea was to come back to Australia, but then something happened in the middle and I ended up 
going back to Argentina again, then I moved to Hawaii for three months, and then I came to New Zealand. But while traveling, I found that it was hard to find a sustainability-related job. So I just did what every backpacker does and work off whatever. <laughs> so and I started my hospitality journey. I work as a bartender and then um, front of house. I work in warehouse and I work in a farm. And yeah, that's how I got into that. But not, not because it was my dream job, obviously, just because it was available at that time. And, and I'm really grateful because I, I gained so many new skills. But, you know, that was not my passion. So every time I will go to work, to the bar or to the cafe, I will just be focusing in how to reduce waste over there. <laughs> mm. I actually did the same in New Zealand. I, I moved to New Zealand and started working in a restaurant and I got really frustrated at how bad they were at recycling and started like my own recycling system in the bar. Um, <laughs> But it's crazy. I, I don't know. We'll talk about that. But yeah, I, I noticed a lot of waste when I was working in a bar, especially. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And I guess in Australia, I just enjoyed myself and lived the experience, you know, living by the beach. I had the best time ever. And I was I was obviously conscious, but not that conscious as I am now. And then I tried to implement some changes there. But it seemed harder, like people there don't care much. And there was a lot of rubbish everywhere, like a lot of consumerism. Then in Hawaii, it was, I guess it was a little bit different from the, the US in general, because it's an island and all of that. But you could tell the consumerism as well. But I, I was lucky enough to work in a cafe that they really care about, like the natural resources and all of that. But yeah, that's when I opened my Instagram, Earthic, and decided that I wanted to be doing some more education. Um, I chose that platform to do it. And then I moved to New Zealand and got a job as a bartender. And my journey started again. And there was a point where, like, after a year, I said, okay, if I don't find anything related with my passion, I'm going to leave. And I didn't, so I was going to leave and then COVID happened. <laughs> so I got stuck in New Zealand, which was great, a gift really to be here. I got a few challenges uh, that time because of visa situations and subsidies that I was not getting. But my mindset is that I'm still grateful and I would like to give back to the community and they helped me a lot during that period without a job and everything. So I decided to give back. I did a few volunteering during the first year here, but, but after COVID, I, I full on started to do more and more and more. I volunteer for literally every organization you can find in Queenstown. <laughs> and then started to do more of my ethic related stuff. And I ended up promoting using your own cup and being like an ambassador of use your own you mean you mean kind of coffee cups in cafes yeah the coffee cups yeah because I guess I volunteered for like conservation and then Salvation Army and Civil Defense the Red Cross Kiwi Harvest so many organizations but alongside I was doing my waste reduction and plans um, I, I went to businesses and offered them a free waste assessment. So I'll go just do the same that I was doing in Argentina. Just check how they were doing, see what is their waste, and then give them a report with simple steps they can take to reduce that waste. And yeah, I did this free of charge to a few businesses here, including Skyline, which was the, the biggest. You know Skyline? No, what's Skyline? Oh, it's, it's like a big company and they have a gondola that you can go up the mountain. I am seeing it from my window right now. <laughs> oh, she's showing me outside. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And um, I just went to businesses and helped them 
where I could. And also, yeah, I started promoting behavioral change, sharing what I was doing and leading by example, I guess, about recycling, about uh, minimizing our resources and reusing and all of that, you know, showing how with simple actions we can actually make a difference. Cool. So um, obviously you've worked in lots of different areas, but all with the waste reduction is the big kind of theme. So we should probably find out what are some of the biggest problems. If you have a business, what are some of the problems in terms of waste that we should be thinking about? Um, First of all, I think not many businesses know what their waste is. So the first step will be know how you operate and what waste you're generating. And that's the, the main thing. So do a waste audit or a waste assessment. You can ask companies to do it or you can do it yourself. And when you identify what waste you're generating, then you can see what steps you can take to reduce that. What are some of the common types of waste you find when you go into a business? Are they all completely different? So, I mean, for example, like a bar, what what would be the biggest waste there? Or does it depend? Well, a, a bar has a lot of bottles <laughs> and they didn't have much non-recyclable waste, but cling film, that's completely avoidable because they, they just use it for the bottles, you know, at the end of the night. And then for the cafe, obviously, single-use cups. Even though they don't stay in the in the building, uh, that's a waste that is generated by the cafe. There was a lot of food waste uh, as well. And for retail, single-use plastics, like soft plastics, a lot of soft plastics coming from suppliers. And then I went to do a waste assessment for a spa. Again, a lot of soft plastics and, and single-use items like mini shampoos or conditioners and ice cream tabs. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, I think uh, you need to see every business separately. And that's what I like to do, to be really specific and not just go and give them a guide on how to recycle. I want to see exactly what materials they have, and then I can make a specific guide for them. But the first step is like knowing what you're generating and then having a good recycling system is key. But what I focus more on, what I'm more interested about is the staff engagement. Mm -hmm. So again, having a person that is dedicated to these topics and waste management will be awesome. But if you don't, yeah, you can call someone like me and have a chat with them and explain why we're doing this and how we need to do it. In my personal experience, I like when someone shows me how to do stuff instead of reading it from a guide. I find it interesting, like, I don't know, maybe obviously you and I are interested in sustainability and like reducing waste and stuff. But when you say you go to places where they have like mini shampoos and small bottles and stuff, in my head, that seems crazy. Like, how do they not know that's really wasteful. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> have, have they not thought of this before that they could just get a big bottle? When you go and speak to people, what is their reaction? Like, do they know that they're wasteful, but they just weren't sure where to start and they just needed a little, little boost? Yeah, it's lack of awareness. I don't think everyone knows. And what we think is really obvious is not for many people. That's why I decided to do what I do, because we need to assume that they don't know anything. So then if I come and give you the information, then it's up to you to do something about it or to put the responsibility elsewhere. But at least you know now because I'm, I'm kind of giving you the info you need. Yeah, some people, they don't realize. They, they don't. And that's why I don't like pointing with the finger or anything like that, because nobody is doing it on purpose unless you have bad intentions. But I don't think anyone does. Like, I, I believe in, in the best uh, intentions from people. Then the problem comes with the effort they need to put 
to actually make those changes. Because imagine they didn't know, all good. I go and tell them all these options and swap outs or additions. Yeah, they could apply alternatives from this, for example, small shampoos. And then it's that step of swapping that to a new thing that's the complicated. It seems complicated for them to, to do it because they are so used to act in a certain way and then swapping for the alternative. Sometimes it seems that it's like a lot of effort and you need manager's approval and the owner's approval. Like for small businesses as well, they, they are just used to do that and they don't want to take the risk. Especially with money, yeah, like, you know, your, your other option might be slightly more expensive sometimes, I guess. Yeah, that's what they think usually, but they need to understand that it's not all the time more expensive. It just costs time, effort and knowledge. And actually, they'll be saving money from not purchasing single-use items, for example. Mm. But, but it's more like a mindset thing. So then I would focus on yeah, touching their hearts and make them understand the why. Like the why is the most important thing. Otherwise, you're not going to change anything because it's comfortable, right, to stay where you are. How do you touch people's hearts, Sophie? <laughs> well, I, I speak from the heart. So I, I'm really passionate about what I do. And I just say the truth, <laughs> my truth, that we're in climate emergency and that we really need to change how we're doing things. Otherwise, um, we're not just destroying the earth, but we are literally destroying humanity <laughs> and it's it's about our children like future children and the future ge generations you know not just about us and like i don't know i think we just know how to live in a certain way and then they tell you that it's wrong and then you need to change and it's really hard if you just know this way you know I feel that first we need to be aware of, of the real situation. And if you know how the system works, that it's like in a linear perspective, you will know that it's not sustainable. We are taking way more from the planet and the resources from the planet than we actually need. And the planet is able to regenerate. So that can't continue this way. And if you think about our values, like what are they? Having more things. It's like why like we never stop and think about that right where where is everything coming from where is going to end up not many people know that we're filling up our landfills usually you, you just put something in the bin and you just forget about it that's how we know right so then now we are starting to realize and studying these fields and trying to make things differently but that doesn't mean it's easy and i am really concerned and I care about this, but it's, it's hard for me as well, like changing how I live. First, because as I said, I'm used to living a certain way because that's what they taught me when I was a kid and that's what I knew. But second, because the system makes it really hard. Like if I want to buy without plastic, it's all so complicated. It's all so expensive. So yeah, I understand. I understand people. That's why I try to be as kind as I can um, and compassionate and, you know, bringing that human element, as you were saying before, mm. that that's important. Not yeah. just talking from, oh, you need to do this, this and that. No, like understand why we need to do this. And also connect with your people, connect with nature. Like it, this is your home. This planet we live in is our home. and. We need, we need to understand that we need to take care of it. And how do you do that? Well, we, you need to connect with it and have that feeling of belonging here. Sometimes I think that we're too selfish. But again, I'm not blaming us. It's just all this mindset and what we were talking at the beginning about connecting with, with ourselves. That's why I think it's important for me. I, I focus a lot on, on wellness and being okay with my mental health going outside to nature and doing things that make me feel good, connected with people 
with me and with the planet. Mm. There's a, we did a previous episode with uh, Kayla Robertson. She's really passionate about this, about how, you know, if you don't recognise your connection with nature, why are you going to care about, you know, what you're doing to the environment and how we are all connected and I guess just how important that is, really. And like you were saying, before we started recording, we were talking about some of the processes you at least go through to kind of connect with nature. And I do think that's important because if you if you feel part of the environment, you don't want to damage it, I guess. I was wondering with you how you found the differences between stuff like that, but also in terms of waste. Obviously, you've lived in... Argentina and Hawaii and Australia and now New Zealand. I don't know if anywhere else. Have you noticed any differences between them in terms of how people kind of respect the environment or in terms of kind of waste management, I suppose? Yeah. In Argentina, uh, there's litter everywhere, like on the streets, a lot. Um, They are doing a big effort in the recycling system. And then Hawaii, they were good. But I could see plastic in every beach, and that was coming from the ocean. It was not coming from, from the island. So that was a, a, a big wake-up call because we see documentaries and we know that the plastic in the ocean is a real thing. But when you're there and you see these materials that they are definitely not from there, and Hawaii is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So mm, that's so sad. like, okay, yeah, this is real. And yeah, I remember I went for a beach cleaning on my own and I picked so much plastic and so many microplastics and it was so overwhelming. I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't continue. It, it wouldn't end. And in New Zealand, I don't see much rubbish on the streets. And in particular, I live in Queenstown. It's a small town. But I think we're really wasteful. We produce a lot of waste. Did you know that we were like the, the ninth or tenth country that produces more waste per capita? New Zealand? Yeah. Really? That's so interesting. So I used to live in New Zealand, which I think is how we first connected in some way online or something. And uh, uh, from in the UK... It's similar to what you say about Argentina. There's litter everywhere, especially like in the city. Even people who live it in a nearby city are like, wow, Bristol's really bad. So when I moved to New Zealand, I was like, wow, no one throws litter on the floor and they're all about recycling and being green and plastic bags are, you know, banned and stuff. But then I realised after a while, there were lots of little things that weren't that great, but it was all just kind of hidden. So I think... Maybe it's just it looks good from the outside, but not. maybe it's not as brilliant as we think. I see it this way. We can do something about it anywhere in the world. I just chose to do it here because I, I feel more comfortable and I feel it's um, in my hands to have more impact here. I feel more at ease and in peace in this environment. While in the city, I was really stressed and overwhelmed and... It was hard for me to focus and not get a little bit depressed, <laughs> mm. if I need to be honest. And in New Zealand, it's so small. And I know that, that we, can, we can make a difference, uh, like a tangible difference. For example, the problems are completely different from Argentina. But at the moment, I, I'm focusing on single-use cups. And it, it seems meaningless, right? Because... Think about it. Having a coffee is a luxury. Mm. There's people that don't even know what coffee is in other countries, I think, right? So they wouldn't be worrying about single-use cups. But here, in the first world, yeah, we're worrying about that. And at the beginning, I, I was thinking, oh, I studied all these years, and now I'm just doing a campaign against single-use cups. But you know what? I think it's a metaphor. It's not just about the... The cup, again, is about our mindset. Like you use something, in this case, this cup uh, for a few minutes because you wanted a coffee and you wanted to be comfortable taking this coffee anywhere. You use it for a few minutes and then you check it in the bin 
and forget about it, move on with your day. And that's how our society works with everything. We, we buy a lot, we use a little and throw away almost everything and just forget about it. Like, where is that coming from? Where is it going? No idea, don't care. So then if I focus in this item that is the single-use cup, I tell you, okay, to make this cup, uh, we, we use all these resources. And then for you to, to use it for a couple of minutes, then put in the bin and we're generating unnecessary waste because you wanted to have a takeaway coffee. Instead, you can have a reusable cup. If you forget about it, you can loan a cup from a Mac library or from a long cup system, or you can just sit down two minutes on a table and just have your coffee there, enjoy the view and talk with someone. So I'm giving you all the alternatives and making you think like, do you really need that unnecessary item? And like that, you can extrapolate with everything. And it's, it's this small action that is really tangible and you can do. So then people will feel inspired, hopefully, that they are doing the right thing and they will feel that they are achieving something. And then they can move on to the next action, that are their next commitment. I always said, okay, commit to one step at a time. And this month could be, I'm not going to use any more single-use cups. The next month could be, okay, no single-use water bottles. And like that, you know, then your next step will be compost. And that's the most amazing thing you can do. And yeah, that's what I try to, to inspire. I think that step-by-step thing is really important. Um, we were talking about that with Jen in the last episode about there's a lot of pressure on people to do everything at once and be perfect and never waste anything. But if you try and get people to do that, they're never going to they're never gonna be able to do it all because it's so overwhelming. But just something simple like swapping your coffee cup is still a big change for some people. But that's a great step. And like you said, it is a great metaphor as well. Because I think once you start doing something like that, you realise you can do that in all areas. Yeah, you can do anything. Yeah. You can do anything you want. And, and then that's multiplied for many people. And also imagine how many coffees you have per year. That's like a lot of waste. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And talking about businesses, I think that's why I like to focus on staff. Because... The business, what is a business? Like there's people involved, there's people working there. So then take care of your staff and educate them. So then if I go and give a talk to your staff, then they will take it home. They will learn something and hopefully, yeah, something will resonate with them and they will take it home. They will tell their kids or their friends and then they will do it also at work. That's how we spread the positive impact. It's not about separating business from personal life. Like with waste, we are always producing waste. So we just need to be aware individually. And then if you see that there's something external, like the waste that we produce in in a company, then, okay, let's talk about it and let's see what the solutions can be. For example, when I started to, to work in retail, I, first of all, I spent quite a few time to to realize what was the waste and it was the soft plastics that came with the orders. So then I wrote a letter to all our suppliers and talked with my boss and he was, he's always keen in any idea that I have. So it was easy, but yeah, we, we told them we're trying to reduce plastic that comes into our business. So please don't send any more soft plastics. And by 2023, if you don't do this, we are going to start thinking in maybe supplying from someone else that that cares. And that's how you do the ripple effect because you're not just focusing in your own, but it's like a collective. And then, yeah, there were other challenges like, because there's a lot of, I wouldn't say old, but like people that been working in that company for a long time and, and they know how to do things in a certain way and they don't want to change. And when I came on board as a sustainability manager and also a retail assistant, they felt really resistant to all of the changes I wanted to implement because it was an effort or because they just didn't want it, you know? So being really empathetic and kind and compassionate and go in a soft way, it's important for me. 
and do it slowly, not just wanting to change everything from the business because you need to understand these people been there for a long time and they know what they are doing. I just come here with new information about sustainability that nobody knew before. So then I need to be able to understand them as well, not just come and say, okay, that's what we need to do because this is really important for the planet and it's not going to work. I think we need to be realistic and and give that manager the chance to to change slowly and get them involved. Like I, I ask for a lot of feedback and I don't go myself and implement stuff. I try to do it in a collaborative way. So yeah, that that's a good tip, I would say. If you're working in a business, small or large, like have the conversation and get more people involved. Don't do it all alone. Yeah, don't be like, I'm the person doing this and everyone else, don't worry about it. What changes have you seen Obviously, you've been working in this industry for quite a while now. Have you noticed changes in people's attitudes um, and the way they work? And what are they? Yeah, yeah, they are definitely, definitely more, more curious and engaged than before. And they're so willing to, to make change. It's just it takes a lot of time to implement those changes. But yeah, in a year that I've been working in this company, we achieved so much uh, in the retail sector. We even like add a section in our website and about sustainability. We're starting to calculate our carbon footprint. We are separating all of our waste and recycling. And I guess I, I started to implement the soft plastic recycling, even though it's not ideal, but at least that's something we didn't do before because you can't put that in your curbside recycling bin. So we're doing that and we talk with suppliers. So there's still a lot to do, but in a year, I think we, we achieved a lot. And as I said, the most important thing is staff engagement. And I think they're all aware now that as a company, we're, we're trying to do better. And, and what I also focused on, it was our company values. Maybe they were not really written anywhere. So I asked everyone what they thought they were. And my boss said really clearly that he wants to make this like a main focus, sustainability and caring about people and our great customer service, for example. So, okay, this is one of our core values. So then that's why we're acting this way. Mm. Either you like it or not kind of thing. Um, so if you, if you're really engaged with the company, you'll know that that's how we want to be interacting like with the planet, with our suppliers, with our customers and yeah with our staff so yeah yeah there's a lot of change going on and I like seeing it I just wondered quickly how you'd found COVID had affected your job or um, just waste in general because I've kind of asked this everyone this series because to me I felt like uh, COVID came along and waste and problems with waste were like pushed to the side because we needed everything to be disposable and you know I feel like in my in my office I'd got rid of the wipes got rid of all of the stuff we didn't use and that's all back now and I felt too guilty because of COVID to ask them to get rid of it again has it caused a big problem with waste in terms of what you see well there were particular items that we were using right like masks and wipes and at that point, I was not in a position to ask anything. Like in my last job, in the one that I'm now, I'm a sustainability manager, like all good. That's my job. But in the previous job, like hospitality, I was just a simple front of house member. Like I was not even a manager. So I could propose to make these changes. But yeah, I found that they were not really thinking about it. They will just they were just doing what the government said. There were a lot of alternatives, you know. You could use a reusable mask. Like, you don't have to use the, the single-use one. And then, like, with coffee, coffee it was a big thing because, obviously, everyone started using single-use cups. But then it didn't really make sense because the government didn't say don't use reusables. They were just saying there was a particular way of doing it. 
So then we did a campaign and explained how the cafes could do that. But again, that will take a lot of effort from them. And with the stress and everything, like I could give them the resources, but then it was up to them to, to implement this way of pouring, that it was contactless pouring. I actually remember that because I was living in New Zealand during COVID and it, it was the use your own cup, right? So um, that campaign, you, you guys were talking about it. And I remember lots of coffee shops I'd go to, they just get really confused or they were like worried about touching the cup and ev- oh, it just got so frustrating. You'd be like, do you know what, forget it. I'll, I won't have a coffee. Or they'd just give you a reusable uh a takeaway one. I guess people were just too worried about COVID to think about anything else. And I get it. It was a global ban- pandemic. But even here, it feels like it's still going on. It like gave people an excuse to go back to using disposables and they kind of have just kept hold of them. I feel that too. Eh? It seems that it was like, oh, no, we don't do it because of COVID. Or they would say that they can't do it like Okay, there's a rule that says that you can't, but I knew that that was not true. So then starting to argue and trying to say differently, it was really, yeah, it took a lot of my energy. So I decided to stop doing that. Um, And I will just say, oh, actually, that's not true. And I will just walk to the next cafe that I knew that was doing contactless pouring. And yeah, just doing that. But also, it's about common sense. Like you're touching the single use cup too, and then you're giving it to me. So exactly, it, it, it's, yeah. It, what really bothered me it was people not thinking and using their their brains. Common sense, <laughs> yeah. Like common sense, and also that excuse that you're saying. Yeah, it seems some in many places that it was just an excuse. Oh no, we can't do it because of COVID. Like that's not really true. You know how we are humans. We always find excuses. So. So if we really want to change, we need to make an effort. Eh? We, mm. we always find excuses for everything. And it's just to not, to not make that effort to make a change. And that's really depressing <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about Chunky. This is a loan cup scheme that you're involved in, right? Yeah, so Chunky, it's a Queenstown um, reusable bottle and cap brand uh, where I'm working. And we sell reusable bottles and caps that have like emerging artist design. So we support the emerging artists. And then we also have not-for-profit initiatives. And one of them is the long cap system. And I came on board to, to take care of, of that one and manage uh, this long cap system. And for those who don't know what that means, it's basically that you can loan a reusable cup. In this case, we have stainless steel double one insulated cups uh, that cost $10, refundable deposit. So you get your takeaway coffee in your reusable cup, take it anywhere, and then you can return your loan cup at any participating cafe or outlet. Uh, we also have hotels hotels involved, which is pretty cool. And then, yeah, you get your money back and you, yeah, you just refused the waste. So that's, that's a way of reducing single-use waste and you just need to loan a cab. That's super easy. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Is it popular? Like, do, do many people do it in the cafes? Well, um, I started from scratch with this. And at the moment, we have uh, 54 cafes involved. That's and amazing. And four hotels uh, in the entire New Zealand. We have like 34 in the Queenstown Lake District area. Uh, that was our main focus at the beginning because we're obviously from here. And a few months ago, we started to approach cafes in, in New Zealand. And yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we are at the at the beginning, you know, when you, well, I go to cafes and explain how the system works and tell them we're not for profit. It doesn't cost you anything, really. Uh, you'll get the money from the customer because we'll buy the cups. And then it's those stages where we are trying to convince them that this is a good idea and they should definitely be on board. 
they they will save in single use cups, but also they are doing like a good thing, you know. And we already talked about this, but it's about that change and doing something new. So that's why many people will be like, oh no, like we don't know, maybe not. I'm super resistant to to a new system, but but slowly, you know, with many talks and more awareness uh, we are we are doing it like there's many many cafes involved and hopefully way more and my dream is that the entire new zealand will be single-use cup free at some point we just need more people involved we need customers involved we need uh, government involved with some regulations and then we need the cafes to do their part but again like cafes are too scared to lose sales and in particular for more small businesses imagine if they they go single-use cap free and they will lose a lot of sales so that's why i i work with promoting this everywhere not just to cafes but for customers customers need to have their own cap or be willing to loan a cap and know that this is is good for everyone mm. and make reuse the norm there's a cafe in Bristol where I live and it's a chain now around the UK called Boston Tea Party. And about four, three, four years ago, they decided that they were going to not do any more disposable cups. So it's only reusable only. Um, so you either bring your own or you have to buy one of their reusable ones. And I think at first they had a little dip in, in customers, but now they're super popular. So it obviously works because you know, if they can survive. But it's kind of sad that other cafes haven't taken that on. I suppose it happened just before COVID. So, you know, it's that whole like excuse thing. But um, I think schemes like that are great. I I suppose in New Zealand, being a small country, maybe it's a bit kind of easier to implement these things. But hopefully stuff like that will become more normal in the next few years. Maybe tell us a little bit about um, Use Your Own Cup as well, because that's a kind of similar initiative that happens in, in New Zealand, right? Yeah, um, that's Laura, uh, funded yoyo.nz. Now it's called different, I think. But uh, she started promoting Use Your Own Cup and created some free guides for cafes and customers on how to reduce waste in hospitality. And she does a lot of promotion about being kind with the barista, being kind with the staff, and yeah, just uh, using your own and knowing all the alternatives you have. And she was doing that on her Instagram and everyone will tag her every time we use a reusable cup. And then I started to have a relationship with her because I was obviously doing that a lot in Queenstown. And I asked her if I could be her ambassador here. And she was, yeah, she was like, yes, for sure. We need someone doing that. and. Well, I didn't have many resources, so I would be the one that will go and talk with cafes and she will send me guides, physical guides, and I'll go and, and talk with them, give them the guides, and then I will create a lot of Mac libraries and I'll have any idea and Laura will be like, yeah, let's do it. And she will give me money to buy Macs from the op shops and I will create the Mac libraries then. I wanted to make some videos promoting all of these. And she was, yes, like, let's do it. I have all these contacts. And then, yeah, we just made some really cool videos promoting some campaigns and and she will fund them. So for me, having her in, yeah, in my life, it was a big, yeah, I, I'm really grateful. Uh, it was a, a great support because sometimes it seems that we're doing this alone and and you just need someone there to to give you a little how do you say uh, pat on the back, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> and and help you with with some stuff. I have a thousand ideas, but at the moment I don't have a lot of resources. So yeah, having someone that can do that it's amazing. And then she has a lot of contacts, so I I started to talk with any other organizations in the country that were doing the same and. Again, the idea is that we can collaborate and we're in this together. It's not an individualistic thing. Like it's a people's campaign. And I always resonated with 
how Laura see things because she's not doing it for her. She's literally doing it for Patuanuku that will be Mother Earth in Maori. So yeah, always in service of the planet. Well, we could talk forever, but we should probably round things up. But I know we've talked about them a little bit, but what would be your your top tips for a business that wants to reduce their waste? Okay, so first of all, know your waste. Do a waste assessment or a waste audit. Know what's coming into your business and what's coming out. See how you operate, like what are the services and products that you're offering and see what waste you're generating with that. And then when you know, then you can apply a recycling system, an effective recycling system, and see where you can do some swap outs or additions or alternatives to this waste. And then do the simple things first, the really easy ones, and have in mind the rest. And then you, with time, you will start thinking how you can swap those or find alternatives. And then the other important topic I will say is talk with your staff and yeah, get them engaged in the course because we can't do this alone. So we need everyone in the organization involved uh, for it to work because if, if just one person is doing it, it's not going to do a lot of impact. But if everyone knows uh, the company values and that there's a plan, that's awesome. It will work better. And another thing you can do is uh, having like a sustainability person, even if they are not the sustainability manager and that's not their proper job. It could be the person in charge of checking that the recycling is all in place and that we're doing the implementation well. And that person that maybe has a little bit more interested, interest about sustainability and then it can talk with people or, you know, uh, that kind of things. That's, that's really good. Uh, be really specific with, with your own business. And, and again, talk with the managers as well. Talk with your bosses. And yeah, as I said, get everyone involved. And I guess if you're a customer and somewhere is doing a good job with their sustainability, then tell them how great they're doing and make the staff realize that what they're doing is great. Yeah, celebrate them all the time. That's what I do. And that's how I choose the companies I work with and and where I buy my products. Like I will buy my products from companies that care. That's how I see it. That's why I I would yeah inspire anyone to make this change because customers will appreciate that. Yeah, I'm the same. And I often will look on a website of a company and look for the tab that says sustainability to try and find out what their kind of values are. And if I can't find that, then I think, hmm, I don't know if they've got good sustainability values, so maybe I don't want to give them my money. So, yeah. Yeah. Sophie, thank you so much for talking to me today. That's been so interesting. I think you're doing some awesome work. Just in case for anybody that wants to find out more about what you're doing, where's the best place to look? I know, I guess you've got a few Instagram places people could check out. At the moment will be my Instagram, earthic.life, and then... I'm planning on having a website soon. But yeah, that will be the best, the best place. Cool. Thank you so much. That was super interesting. So yeah, thanks for chatting to us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, really, I feel honored to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Great conversation with Sophie. Thank you so much to her for joining us. As always, let's just do a quick recap of some of her top tips and advice for reducing waste in businesses. So firstly, I think it should be if you can get someone like Sophie to come in and assess your waste, then brilliant and definitely do that. But if not, find a way to do it yourself. So know what's coming in and what's going out. Then you can start working out what some of the alternatives are and start implementing them. She said get staff involved and get them 
passionate about it, so they want to help. And that it actually feels like a real group effort. Don't try and just do this on your own. It's too much to take on. Um, and it will be hard to actually kind of complete the job, I guess. Also, she said, team up with like-minded people where you can. So maybe there's a local initiative you could partner with to help you. So, for instance, a TerraCycle recycling system or perhaps your coffee grounds could go to the local garden centre. Just think about what other businesses or what other initiatives are nearby and whether they could work for you. Um, She also suggested appointing someone to be in charge of sustainability within the company or just in charge of specific jobs regarding reducing waste to make sure they get done. Uh, Write up your company values and get them published. So if you have a website, have them prominent on there or easy to find and have them printed out for staff as well because if they feel this is important to the company, hopefully it will become important to them too. And lastly, start small. Sophie said, do the simple stuff first, whether that's just getting rid of plastic bottles or setting up a recycling system. You know, maybe you um, have a pub and you currently have plastic water bottles in there. Can you swap them out for glass ones? Can you just have jugs of water on the side instead? Um, Start with something small like that and gradually build to the rest and it will become easier to make those bigger changes. Thanks again to the awesome Sophie Chinkwa. You can find her on Instagram at earthic.life. That's E-A-R-T-H-I-C dot life. You've been listening to Wannabe Greener. If you haven't yet, come and give me a follow on Instagram at wannabe.life greener and please do leave a review if you enjoyed this episode thanks for listening and i'll see you next time bye